Pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. Chapter 8, turn with me to John chapter 8. We're going to start reading with the 31st verse. I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible, so it might appear to be a little bit different than yours. We're climbing the mountain of freedom today. I know we've climbed it before in the past, so this time we're going to take a different route up. See what we can see on this side of the mountain. John 8, 31 through 38. Then Jesus turned to the Jews who had claimed to believe in him. If you stick with this, living out, uh, living out what I tell you, you are my disciples for sure. Then you will experience for yourselves the truth, and the truth will make you free, or the, the truth will free you. I was thinking King James there when I said make you free. Surprise, they said. But we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How can you say the truth will free you? First of all, a Jew saying he's never been a slave to anyone. A Hebrew saying he's never been a slave to anyone. They had a rich history of slavery. So he's already deceived here. Jesus said, I tell you most solemnly that anyone who chooses a life of sin is trapped in a dead-end life and is in fact a slave. A slave is a transient who can't come and go at will. The son, though, has an established position, the run of the house, so if the son sets you free, you are free through and through. I know you are Abraham's descendants, but I also know that you are trying to kill me because my message hasn't yet penetrated your thick skulls. I like that. I'm talking about things I have seen while keeping company with the Father, and you just go on doing what you have heard from your Father. Now, this passage of Scripture is what I call our biblical declaration of independence. And it's a, a declaration of independence from the tyr tyrannical rule of our enemy, the devil. And our first declaration of freedom occurred when we were born again. It didn't just happen in 1776. The real declaration of independence, the real declaration of our freedom happened in the Bible many years before 1776. Colossians 1.13, the Apostle Paul says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. Some translations say the kingdom of light. So... We changed kingdoms the day we were born again. We denounced Satan's kingdom and his tyrannical rule and declared freedom from the kingdom of darkness and we transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son or the kingdom of light. Amen? So we're in the kingdom of light. And it's a lot like our country's declaration of independence where we declared uh, Freedom from the tyran tyranny of an eagle, evil king of England. And we didn't want to be under his rule anymore, just like we didn't want to be under Satan's rule anymore. 
uh, because we wanted to be a free nation, able to worship who we wanted to worship and worship him the way that we wanted to worship him. And that was the reason that we uh, left England and came here to colonize the United States. But a lot of people in today's society and culture have lost sight of that day, uh, especially politicians and atheists who hate Christianity and hate our country, and they're showing it more and more every day, and they will argue, argue that religious freedom is not the reason that we left England and the tyranny of the king uh, of England, Great Britain. And I realize the original colonists... I realize the original colonists came to America for several different reasons, but the main reason they came here was for freedom of religion, freedom of expression of religion, and that's the main reason they left England, and they wanted to come here, spread uh, their religion and practice freely, and they wanted to live on, the, on their own land. And make no mistake about it, that was the main reason the colonists came to America, and don't let anybody tell you any different. Yeah, they can come up with other reasons, but that is the main reason. We want a religious freedom, and I'll tell you why. Uh, England imposed a mandatory religion, and it was Catholicism. And I'm not talking about our Catholic friends, but that was the religion of England, and Everybody had to be a Catholic. You couldn't choose your own religion. You couldn't choose how to worship your God. You had to be a Catholic, and you had to do it their way. And people wanted to express their own. You know, I was a Catholic for 38 years, and I finally got to the place where I wanted to express my own views on religion. And I wanted to break away from the Catholic Church. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did because... I was really convinced for many years that the Catholic Church was the only one true religion. And I guess that spirit come from England or come from these uh, countries that imposed a certain religion on their uh, constituents. And I got tired of it and I wanted to experience something different. And that's when I came over to the Pentecostal side. Uh, they didn't and I didn't want somebody dictating to me what kind of religion I would serve and who I would serve and how I would serve them. And as a nation, we certainly uh, have fallen a long way from there concerning our government. And I wouldn't say we've lost all of our freedom, but we're certainly headed in that direction. And I'm going to say some bold things here because I'm not being videotaped. I'm being recorded, but Brother Darrell can alter the, the recording. Uh, but I'm convinced that the pulpits of America have to be bold and start preaching the truth to their people. And if we don't, we're going to lose our country. And we're very close to that now. Uh, don't get me wrong, COVID is a real disease. But it was politicized to the hilt. It was taken advantage of. It was a test of how much of our freedom they could take away. That was just a trial run, and it's not over with yet. They're going to come out with the big guns next. Uh, but we're much smarter than we were uh, a year or 13 months ago. And uh, a lot of us, I for one, is not going to fall for that ever again. Amen. I will not close the doors to this church again. And I know there's a lot of 
pastors just like myself that feel the same way. They're not charging, closing their churches again. And the reason I emphasize that is because there are churches today, this morning, that are still closed. And some of them are mega churches. And some of them are doing these online services and they're saying they're reaching more people than they were when they had physical attend in-person church services. And, you know, that may be, but, you know, uh, to count a, a Facebook view or a social media view or something like that as a viable, as viable church membership, you have to be deceived to believe that. I mean, the Bible tells us plainly to fail not to assemble ourselves together. And they say, well, we're assembling, we're just doing it online. Nope, nope, that is not what the... Uh, the author, the Holy Ghost, had in mind when he had uh, the writer of Hebrews pen that passage of Scripture. He said, fail not to assemble yourself in person bodily uh, as a believer with other believers. We're commanded to do that. It's not, it can't be replaced with online church. And that was one of the reasons we quit as soon as we did and uh, come off of, well, just one of the reasons we come off of Facebook, uh, because I wanted our people to come back to church and not get used to having church in their pajamas, sipping a cup of coffee. Amen? Hallelujah. Now, I wouldn't say we've lost all of our freedom yet, but we're certainly headed in that direction. And uh, make no mistake about it, there's plenty of people in this country that would like to destroy not only our country, but destroy Christianity and conservatism and the, the freedom that we're enjoying today. And uh, they believe that they can force things down our, our throats, make us less pros prosperous, not be able to own a home, and, then, and that we'll be happy about it. And that's, what they, that's the lie of communism and socialism. Uh, you know... We may not have everything, but we don't need everything, and we're happy. They're a bunch of liars is what they are, and it's a bunch of propaganda, and it's not the truth in any shape or form. Amen. I mean, look at the last 50 or 60 years. Prayer and the Pledge of Allegiance have been removed from our public schools. Ten Commandments removed from our courthouses. Public displays of the nativity and any mention of Jesus is illegal on federal properties. Abortion was legalized. Same-sex marriage was legalized. Transgender bathrooms come on the scene. Men can use women's restrooms and participate in women's sports. Separation of church and state has been completely reversed. And the list goes on and on. And these are all infringements upon our freedom. It's taking away our freedom of choice and telling us what we're going to accept. And it's an outright attack on our country's freedoms and on Christianity because uh, we don't agree with them. And it's a feeble attempt to stamp out the very existence of God in this country. They want to wipe out his entire memory, his name, everything. They even want to take his name off of our money. And if certain people had their way, they'd stamp out every form of Christianity and replace it with the religion of secular humanism and wokeism. And I'm going to tell you today that wokeism is a false religion in this country. 
Amen. And, uh, you know, here's the thing about it. Jesus shed his blood for our freedom. And every warrior that went to war shed their blood for our freedom. It was not purchased cheaply. It was not purchased with tangible money or uh, material things. It was purchased with the lives of our veterans and our uh, military personnel. And uh, there's people suffering all over this country today because they lost a loved one in the military fighting a war and fighting for our freedoms. And, uh, you know, they want to replace that with this wokeism and secular humanism telling us that we don't need a divine being hovering over us, that we can be our own gods and make our own decisions. But what I'm talking about is how far we've distanced ourselves from the very reason we became a nation to begin with. And that is because we wanted freedom of religion. We wanted a country that trusted in a big God rather than a big government. And you know, conservatism is small government and liberalism is big government. But the bigger the government, the less say-so the people have. The smaller the government, the more say-so people have. And I re refer to this place in history this morning because, like I said, this wasn't the first Declaration of Independence ever written. Our opening passage of scripture this morning contains the actual first declaration of independence that was ever written. And uh, it, it is from this declaration of independence that we read about this morning that our declaration of uh, independence came about. Because this country was based on uh, Judeo-Christian principles and they were based on the Ten Commandments and the laws of God. And, and that's why I say the first Declaration of Dependence is what spawned this Declaration of Dependence that we're living under in this country that was written in 1776, or at least signed in 1776, by the founding fathers of our country. So this is our real Declaration of Dependence. And like I said, it was written many centuries before that small group of 13 colonists uh, wrote our Declaration of Independence and declared that we were free from the tyrannical rule of the King of England. But much like the de Declaration of Freedom that Jesus declared in John chapter 8, we were free from being slaves from the tyrannical rule imposed by Satan, the kingdom that we were living in before we come to the new kingdom. And our Declaration of Independence as a nation declares that we're now free from and no longer in bondage to the tyrannical king of England. There's similarities here and parallels. And I love looking back on history and discovering that although things were somewhat different back then, they bear some striking similarities to the times we're living in today. And I want to show you a couple of them. King Solomon, considered to be one of the wisest men that ever lived, penned these words in the book of Ecclesiastics, chapter 1 and verse 9, he said, The thing that hath been, it is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which will be done, and there is no new thing under the sun. In other words, he's saying that what goes around comes around. It's just one vicious cycle 
Uh, you know, Lion King called it the cycle of life or the circle of life. And that's all it is, is things just keep circling. Nothing really changes. And, and at least not uh, real tangible change. I mean, we might change clothing styles uh, or something like that. But it's the same thing over and over. Styles change, clothes change, and sometimes they come back. You know, I remember uh, in the 30s, you know, El Capone's day, they wore double-breasted suits, and then they come out with the, and wide ties, then they come out with the narrow knee, knee row jackets and the thin ties, and then they went back to double-breasted again. And, and it's like Solomon said, it just keeps going around and around. Nothing's really new under the sun. It's just been recycled and changed a little bit to make you think that it's new, but it's not. And there's so much revelation in what he said here because uh, one person said a look at the past is a peek into the future. And I think that's exactly what King Solomon was saying. If you look at history, you can see a peek into the future because history has a way of repeating itself. I know that's a saying, but it's true. Pay close attention to history and, and you'll see that. Uh, let me give you an example. Right after we declared our independence as a nation, war broke out. Because the king of England didn't want to let us go. Matter of fact, he wanted to claim the land that we came here and uh, uh, worked out for ourselves. And he wanted to rule there and here. And we wouldn't have it. Hallelujah. I got this thing working now, but sometimes it sticks. Praise the Lord. But anyway, what I discovered is just as soon as we declare our independence from the tyranny of the devil, war also breaks out, except in the spiritual sense. If you declare yourself free from anything, whether it's an addiction, whether it's poverty, whether it's sickness, when you declare yourself free, you better be prepared for war, because if you're not, that's how you don't stay free is not being prepared for what comes after that. So before you make any kind of declaration, they knew the 13 colonists knew when they made a declaration of independence, they were going to war. And you better know when you declare independence from something, you're going to war. And so you should be ready for it. Amen. And I'm even going to tell you how to get ready for it. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 43 through 45, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, a man that's bound, he, the spirit, walks through dry places seeking rest, but finds none. I mean, you can cast him out. He'll go, but he's going to look around, and if he don't find something better than what he had with you, then he saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished, in other words, it was just cleaned up and decorated. And you see, even though God has delivered you, the enemy will still claim you as his house and he will return. And if you weren't prepared when you cast him out or had him cast out or declared your freedom from whatever it was that had you bound, if you weren't prepared for war and you didn't do something about that empty space inside of you, that clean, garnished house, He's going to come back and he's going to bring seven of his little wicked friends, even more wicked than him, with him. And the devil plays for keeps. And when he gets somebody bound up through addictions, 
poverty, sickness, disease, whatever it is that he has bound you with, fear even, he's not going to give you up too easy. He's invested too much in you. But let me tell you something, God invested more. Amen. Amen. But the devil is not going to leave you alone simply because you declare you're free. But fear is the greatest weapon in the enemy's arsenal. And he knows it will paralyze your faith and make you ineffective. And we have a great example of that in old Job. And, And I know people say poor old Job was minding his own business and God turned the devil loose on him. But God doesn't do things like that. He doesn't just allow the devil to bring that kind of pain and tragedy into someone's life for no reason. Not the God that we know. But Job 3.25 gives us at least the main reason Job was attacked. Job said himself, For the thing which I greatly feared is come upon me, and that which I was afraid of is come unto me. So he confessed that he was not only in fear, but he was in great fear. And, uh, he, and, and that great fear paralyzed his faith and made him ineffective. And I know for a fact there was a time in Job's life where he had great faith. And he knew how to cash in on the promises of God. He knew how to get what he needed from God through great faith. Because the Bible tells us that he was the richest, the most wealthiest man in all of the East. Now, I don't know how big the East was or how many people lived there. But he was the most wealthy one in the East. So I know that he was able at least at one time to believe God for some things which included protection and deliverance. So do you see why we have to be careful and stay in faith? And I started preaching that from day one of COVID-19. I remember my first message after we closed the church, my first message on a Wednesday night was about having discernment. And I warned everybody in that message, I think you can still go back and listen to it if Facebook didn't wipe it out completely, But I warned everybody in that message uh, that the images we were getting and the uh, projections from the computer modules were only as accurate as the computer was, and the computers were not very accurate. I said, you're going to see inflated numbers. They're already inflated. They have a goal of 2 million deaths in this country. And I read an article recently here that said after you take out all the other things that people died of in this country, there was less than 600 actual COVID-19 deaths. People died with COVID-19, but not from COVID-19. And that was people that had underlying illnesses and underlying problems, and they died of heart attacks and lung failure and all kinds of different things, uh, but they declared it all as a COVID death. And that's why I say this thing was politicized to the hilt. But anyway, if you're not careful and stay in faith, and you say, I'm afraid I'll get COVID, the thing I feared. I'm afraid I'll lose my job, the thing I feared. I'm afraid I'll, I'll get in an accident, the thing I feared. I'm afraid my kids will get on drugs, the thing I feared. I'm afraid of this and I'm afraid of that. Keep on saying it. Keep on talking like that, and the thing that you fear will come upon you. You will have a visitation from the very thing that you're saying you're you're in fear of. And, you know, there's always a reason for our tests and trials. God doesn't cause them. 
God doesn't make us go through tests and trials, but uh, that's the devil's job. But when the devil does make us go through a trial, God will sure take advantage of it and teach us something through it. But he's not the author of these things. Uh, and there's always a reason for our tests and trials. But if we believe God and stay in faith and continue doing the word, there's always protection and deliverance. God has the devil on a leash, and he did with Job as well. Job went through hell on earth. There's no doubt about it. But God seen to it that the devil couldn't take his life. And when Job got the revelation and learned the lesson he was supposed to learn, God not only healed him and delivered him, but he made him ten times more prosperous than he was before. Gave him ten times of everything that he lost. So that's why it's so important to stay in faith. The three Hebrew children, they had to go through a fiery furnace, but because of their faith that God was able to deliver them and would deliver them, that's why the fourth man showed up in the fire. And if they would have allowed fear to overtake them, the fourth man would have never showed up in that fire and they would have been burned to death. And so they made a declaration that they would not bow to the devil and worship the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. And because of that declaration from that thing, they, were, they had to go to war. And it was a spiritual battle. And that's what got them thrown in the furnace. Amen? Hallelujah. See, when you uh, uh, get set free from something, you have to fight to keep your freedom. The devil's not going to give up on you that easy. And because Jesus said, Then goeth he the demon, and taketh with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Why was he able to enter in? Because it was swept and garnished. The house was empty and open. See, you can't go back to what you've been delivered from because the enemy will be back with reinforcements and it will be seven times harder for you to get set free a second time. Apostle Paul tells us in Galatians 5.1, he says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. He's telling you, when you get free, stay free. Don't get entangled again with that yoke of bondage that you came out of. And, and I've seen this before. I know without a shadow of a doubt, God delivered people from things. And they were free for a long time. And then decided, were tempted and decided, well, it won't hurt for me to do it one more time. It won't hurt for me to have one more hit, one more drink, one more peak. One more visit, one more whatever it was that you were set free from. And that's all it took for the devil to snag you again. And now it's seven times worse. And in a lot of cases, I've never seen deliverance come a second time for them people. And some of them are not here anymore because of that. And, you know, we can do some things in our own strength. People say, well, uh, I don't know why you needed God to quit smoking. I quit smoking on my own. Well, good for you. I needed God. I couldn't do it on my own. And, and, and here's the thing. You can do things on your own. You can do things through your own willpower. But normally, I'm saying normally, there's an exception for everything. Normally, they don't last. 
But I'm telling you, when God set me free, I was free indeed. I never looked back. I never had another smoke. Never had, a, after a while, never had a desire for another smoke. Never had a desire to drink anymore. And, and got to the place where I have no desire to cuss anymore. I think that was one of the hardest ones I had. Because being a truck driver, I mean, that was a, a, like you were bilingual. You had two languages, English and truck driving. But I'm telling you, when God sets you free, he will enable you to stand in that liberty and stand fast and keep your freedom. And, and, and the reason he does is because even though your house has been swept and garnished, if you allow the Holy Ghost to come into your life, if you allow the baptism of the Holy Ghost, he'll come in and fill that empty garnished house and he will keep it that way. Amen. I mean, uh, that's what makes you free indeed. Uh, you remember me telling you that when we read a scripture that we have to consider it in the context in which it was written. Uh, don't just read a passage of scripture like we did this morning. Uh, but before I read a passage of scripture like that, I promise you, I read before it and I read after it. And I took it in context of not only the passage of scripture and not only the chapter, but the entire book. And then in context to the entire Bible, does this fit in with the theme of the Bible? And that's how you uh, really determine uh, an interpretation on something. And so uh, if you'll read carefully the whole chapter of our opening scripture, uh, particularly verses 1 through 11, it will tell you why Jesus made that declaration in the passage of scripture we read that whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And uh, it was actually in your face to the religious leaders uh, and proof that Jesus was the Son of God that makes you free. It was the account of the woman who was supposedly caught in the very act of adultery. And they brought her to Jesus and asked him what they should do with her. According to the law of Moses, it says that we should stone her. And so the religious leaders are just trying to use the woman as a trap so they could trick Jesus. If Jesus said the woman should not be stoned, they would accuse him of violating and disobeying Moses' law. And he would be subject to punish, punishment under Jewish law. On the other hand, if Jesus agreed for them to stone her, they would report him to the Romans who did not permit the Jews to carry out their own executions, and he would have been punished by the Romans. So they thought they had him one way or the other. How many know you can't trap the word? Amen. But Jesus just bends down and begins writing or drawing something in the dirt. And there's a lot of speculation about what he wrote or what he drew, but nobody really knows. Uh, but the real point of the passage is not what was being written in the dirt, but rather the hypocrisy of the religious leaders uh, in judging others because that was forbidden by the same law that they were trying to trap Jesus in. So the response of Jesus probably threw them off real good uh, because they were wondering, what is he writing? And instead of replying at all, he simply bends down and writes with his finger on the ground. And then Jesus did something equally odd. He stood up and said, Let him who is without sin among you cast the first stone. 
Well, that got them all to thinking then. Because under the law, which, which Jesus knew better than any of the religious leaders that was there, under the law it said the, that the person had, that threw the first stone had to be an actual eyewitness of the act of adultery in that woman's incident. And not only that, but there had to be a second eyewitness because it's out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. You couldn't convict anybody or judge anybody without the, the uh, witness of, of two people. So there would be two people that would have to throw the first stone. But they knew that if uh, the one that supposedly caught them or seen them, if he stepped forward and threw the first stone, he would fall into the same trap they were trying to get Jesus in and the Romans would get his butt. And so that got him to thinking. And then Jesus bends down again and begins to write. And this time, they started dropping their little stones. And the Bible says that they departed, starting with the eldest or the wisest. Because the elders are usually supposed to be the wisest. They were the first ones to depart, probably because they began to see the law as Jesus was pointing it out to them. So they split, and next one split, and that one split. And before you knew it, there's nobody standing there except a woman. And, of course, Jesus tells her, you know, who hath condemned thee? She says, none, my Lord. He said, then go and sin no more. He set her free. He says, you're free but don't go back to what you were doing. So there's no doubt about it. She was guilty. It's just that they were using her as a political pawn. Let me keep going here. They used her as a political pawn to get their way and persecute somebody that was innocent, which was Jesus. You can draw whatever parallels from that you want. But, but anyway, here's the whole point and the reason Jesus said that to her uh, and, and, and said what he did in our opening scripture, whom the Son has set free is free indeed, because he set her free indeed, but he also warned her that she would have to stay free and not go back to that sin again. And for the reasons that he told us uh, about the house being swept and garnished. Her house was set, swept and garnished, because he forgave her right there and sent her on her way. So in other words, he's telling her, don't declare this freedom unless you're willing to fight for it, unless you're willing to go to war for it. So if you open the door again, then that demon has the right to come back in unless you fill that house with the Holy Ghost. And so in order to be really free, you have to be washed by the blood because that's what pays the cost of freedom. And then you also have to declare whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And uh, if you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you're going to have a problem keeping that house empty because that demon's coming back. But when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, guess who's going to answer the door when that demon comes knocking? And he'll, the Holy Ghost will ruin his day, I'm telling you right now. He's not coming in that house anymore. And how do we prepare for the war that comes after I declare my independence. John 8, 1. Jesus said to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, it's not knowing the truth that makes you free. It's knowing the truth and continuing in the truth 
or being a doer of the word that makes you free. Amen. And that's what we have to do. And then Jesus said, you shall know the truth. Why? Because you're doing it. You're continuing in the word. And the truth shall make you free. So keep doing the, the, the word. Stay out of fear. Stay in faith. And when the enemy returns, the Holy Ghost is going to take care of him. You don't have to worry about it. He ain't getting in again. Amen. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.